How's it going, everybody, and welcome to episode 164 of Mass My Garden Podcast. Now, before we get stuck into this week's episode, just a word on last week's episode. Uh, I think I mentioned a few times before that I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world, but I had some recording issues, and the episode seemed to record very, very low. Um, took a couple of attempts last week. Eventually, I got to turn it up as best I could, and it sounded probably okay, but it definitely was a little bit lower than it should have been. Uh, so apologies if the sound wasn't, as I say, what what it normally is. I've had the same issues this week to a certain extent, to be honest. I've spent the last hour or so playing with this recorder to try and get it right, and I think I have it sorted somehow. Settings got moved, and as I say, I'm not very tech-savvy, so it took a little bit of time to get it sorted, but it's starting to sound a lot better. Fingers crossed that it comes out a lot better. Anyway... To get into this week's episode, it's, uh, I suppose it's a listener's question and comes from, from Katrina Hogan. And to be honest, it could come from any one of us gardeners. And Katrina's asking for some help with vine weevil. So when I ask some questions about it, it's, it's particularly in pots and hanging baskets. And the plants that are affected are ivories, ivies and the usual one, heuchers or coral bells. And um, so I suppose to, to, to set the scene, the thing with vine weevil is, there isn't a gardener, I think, in the world who hasn't in some way at some time come into into contact with vine weevil. And there really are a very frustrating one. And I know when people get vine weevil, they kind of think um, it's almost as if for a gardener, the world is about to end. It, it really is one of those things. I think it's because it's it's the shock of it, number one. Um, if you have a slope problem, a green fly problem or whatever it is you see some damage typically unless unless of course it's very young veg plants that get wiped out with slugs overnight that can happen occasionally but generally speaking you see some damage but it's never fatal to the plant and so it never feels it never feels as you know end of world as the vine weevil does because typically what happens with the vine weevil is it's going about its business. You don't actually know it's there. And then all of a sudden you go to clean the bottom leaves off your heuchera and it comes, the whole plant comes off in your hand. And it's, it's very, very frustrating. Um, the thing with vine weevil is, as I said, there's probably not a garden in you know the world that hasn't had it at some point in time. But it certainly has over the last number of years. I think it, it has, the, the, the prevalence of them has increased. And there's a few reasons for that, I think. So number one, if we went back kind of 10, 15 years ago, all plants that you would buy in a nursery or a garden center, the, the growing media had mixed through with a product called Suscan Green, and that was used across the world. It was basically, you might remember, there was tiny little green, little green beads that you would see in it, tiny little things. And they were mixed through the compost and they were a chemical that stopped the adult from laying in eggs essentially into into the compost and then of course those eggs didn't become the larvae which do a lot of the damage um, that product was removed from the market about probably 12 12 years 10 12 years ago now um, and then after that it was replaced by a product that was met 52 that was it was mixed through the compost as well but it wasn't a chemical as such it was based on a on a fungi and it was relatively effective 
but probably not as effective as the chemical version. Now, I'm not sure, but MET52 could have went off the market then for a while, but as far as I know, it's coming back again um, over the next couple of years and will be available for, for compost mixes, or certainly wasn't used everywhere for, for a period of time. So that meant, I suppose, that in some ways the you know the chemical versions of of keeping it under control at nursery level would have been getting less and if you went back 15 12 or 15 years ago if a nursery found that they had you know vine weevil on some of their stock it would have been seen as a you know something of a high embarrassment for that to happen if you fast forward to now it's kind of commonplace and to be fair there's probably not too many nurseries that don't have some some element of that um, have some element of, of vine weevil. That, I suppose, the chemical side of it has changed over the number of years, uh, Susquehanna Green being the main one that went, but on the flip side of that, the biological controls have advanced so much in that period of time. And so, I suppose, at that, and if you went back 12 or 15 years ago again, biological was starting to become, you know, a, a useful tool against fine weevil and other other pests um, but over the last number of years that has advanced massively and now you have a situation where it is really you know it's, it's really for a lot of nurseries it's the one and only tool that they use to control vine weevil and it's really really effective the advancements in the breeding of them and so on mean that they can be used at different times of the year colder at colder temperatures and so on. So the control is improving again, and you know there is that level of of increase has and advancements has happened. So you would expect that, generally speaking, the stock coming through would be cleaner. That being said, I don't think anybody will ever get away completely scot free. And some at some point you will have, you know, you will have vine weevil. I think. Um. The problem with them is in the garden is that, as I say, you don't know they're there. So the adult, which is, you know, kind of about 10 mil in length, black in color, it just goes around at nighttime. So it crawls around at nighttime, crawls around, you know, onto the beds, onto the pots. And it, it does eat plants as well and does cause some damage, but the damage is not very pronounced, not very fatal. You will notice around the edges of leaves where you have um kind of notching or or edging or right around the edge of leaves and that's what they do they eat the outside of the leaves and that i suppose is a telltale sign of having them but it's not something very pronounced so you're not it's not like you know other damage that you would see that it's very very pronounced it's it's sometimes it's hardly noticeable but these adults will go around they don't generally travel during the day at all so you don't see them then they burrow down into the into the compost around the base of the plant, they lay eggs. Now those eggs that they lay are actually white in colour. So if you happen to see them, you would see them. But very quickly after being laid, they turn brown, which is obviously the colour of the compost or the growing media. And because they're turned brown, you don't see those. Those eggs become the larvae and they're the ones that really cause the harm. So the, the larvae of vine weevil eat roots and they actually eat them off on almost all plants. 
The problem is that they prefer some plants over, over others. And then there's a kind of a list of plants that are what you would call susceptible to them. And they include one, you know, what, what Katrina has said, heucras or coral bells, ivies, euonymus, sedums, saxifrage. I know for me here, I had a problem with strawberries one year. And it's exactly that. You don't know that you have the problem. The adult has laid the eggs. The eggs hatch out. The larvae eats around the roots. They will basically graze all the fibrous roots off your plant. So for something like a heuchera, again, there's a lot of fibrous roots. And when they've done all that, they'll get up to the base, which is above the roots, the base, the you know, sort of crown between the roots and the, and the top part of the plant. And for something like a heuchera, that's sort of soft and juicy. They will eat that. And then all of a sudden, the plant will just flop over or you'll be cleaning around it or weeding near it and next thing it'll just fall off in your hand and that is so frustrating because it can look so good today and then two days later it's literally fallen over and that's how fast it can be and the difference I suppose with it and green fly and any other pest that you might have is typically green fly is not going to be fatal slug damage while annoying is not fatal but when that heuchera plant comes off in your hand, it's lights out for the heuchera, unfortunately. And that's where the big frustration is. Also then, they are capable of multiplying quite quickly. And then because of the, the challenge of actually knowing whether you have them or finding them or being able to target them, it's quite difficult. So that can be the frustration. They tend though, even though they are... I suppose they like certain plants and they will eat the roots of most plants, but they tend, all plants tend not to get fatally damaged by them. And that, I suppose, is a, is a big plus. So if you're very fond of sedums and heucheras and saxifrage and ivies and things like that, that can be a challenge. But the other plants are likely to be okay. And I suppose that is, is the one thing I've seen gardens with quite bad infestations of them. But there's certain plants that just don't seem to go for. And that is a good thing, you know, in that if the problem gets quite big or quite aggressive, you know, you can avoid just certain plants. I know it can be a bit frustrating, but there is a way of, of doing it. Um, and then I suppose the next thing is to look at the control methods. And I suppose there's a few things. In, in Katrina's case here, we're talking about pots and hanging baskets and pots hanging baskets grow boxes you know uh, raised flower beds ones that we have created ourselves and added the compost to they tend to be the ones that they go to first and there's probably a few reasons for that number one when you create a new bed or a pot or a hanging basket you're putting in a new growing media then you're putting in generally speaking fresh plants and those fresh plants tend to have juicy roots uh, quite loose compost so they're able to get down into it quite easily to lay their eggs and then on top of that it's always going to be a little bit warmer than say the open ground and that that's a big thing it also is a big thing in terms of the life cycle so if you had all open ground beds the ground is going to be a good few degrees degrees colder in the early part of the spring whereas if you have things like raised beds with you know good quality growing media and that those raised beds will get quite a bit warmer earlier in the season which actually means that the larvae 
who essentially hibernate over the whole winter. So they're, the, the larvae hatch out in the, in the autumn, essentially. They will hibernate, for want of a better word, basically when it gets to seven or eight degrees Celsius, they will stop eating, stop feeding, and just basically go to sleep. But as soon as the temperature pops back up above that, they'll start grazing again, and it's grazing on the roots of the plants. But as I said, when you're in hanging baskets, pots, raised beds, raised flower boxes, the temperature will rise quite a bit quicker than the open ground. So what happens is the larvae come to life quicker, they eat your roots quicker, but also there, there's a very good possibility in a situation like that that they're actually able to get another, another sort of life cycle in within the year because they're able to get started earlier than they might be able to do in the open ground. So that's why you tend to find the problem, you know, being more pronounced, I suppose, in all those containerized or raised or contained beds. So to help Katrina with her problem, very first thing we need to do is that anything that's in those pots, get a, get a big sheet of plastic, uh, anything that's in those pots, heal it out onto the plastic and then literally break out all the growing media from it, try and tease out all the roots that you can and end up with essentially a bare root plant. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to make sure that any grubs that are in there, if you find them, if you can feed them to your hens or just get rid of them, uh, however you want to do that, then that compost really needs to be got rid of and off the site because you don't actually know if the eggs are in there. As I said, they lay a white egg, but then the white egg turns to brown very quickly. So you could have a lot of eggs in that. So what we're really looking to do is straight away get 100% clean growing media again so that we can start fresh. I, you know, we've spoken about potting mixes before or, or mixes before, and you're looking for, you know, good quality topsoil, farmyard manure, compost, and definitely, and I've no evidence to back this up, I would add biochar in there. Biochar is definitely going to help the plants regardless. But I have a you know, sneaking suspicion that the likes of biochar mixed into it, because we have seen evidence, you know, talking to Lexi last year, uh, they were getting great success with biochar, reducing the incidence of jumping worms, which thankfully we don't have here, but they're an incredible sort of worm. They can literally jump. They're invasive. They cause a lot of problems in the US, but they are seeing great results by using biochar in the reduction of, of jumping worms by using biochar in the potting mixes. And I suspect that that would be the same for vine weevil and actually any other kind of bugs that we wouldn't want in there. I think that would be helpful. If nothing else, if it didn't have any effect, because I have no proof of this, if it didn't have any effect on vine weevil, it certainly would be a help to your plants anyway. So that's what I would be doing to start off with. If you have you know, bigger beds or bigger areas that you feel might have, you know, might, might need to be treated, then I would treat them with a, with a nematode. And there is, I suppose there's lots of, as I said, there's loads of advancements in nematodes and, you know, there's the most common one that you'll see for home gardeners is nemesis. Um, that's available, you know, online, it's available through different garden centers and so on. And it's highly effective. Generally, you're looking for temperatures to be five or six degrees for that so it works at low temperatures whereas there is others on the market that will work at 
very low temperatures. The only thing I would say is that you are really looking for temperatures to be, and this is soil temperatures, to be seven, eight degrees, because that's when the larva starts to come out and we're looking, we're looking to get in at that stage. So I wouldn't be going quite this early with it, but having said that, in the hanging basket pots, raised beds and so on, you can have, you know, it can come back to life a little bit earlier. So definitely get at it early. And I would do a second treatment later on in the year. So late August or, or September with that. They are highly effective. So if you're using, using the nematodes, they are really, really effective. As I said, going back 15 years ago, the technology and the breeding wasn't as good, but now it is cutting edge. And they are literally, there's, there's large scale nurseries now that are completely, um, keeping themselves vine weevil free by using just nematodes. And they are using them on a couple of, couple of cycles, at least two outside, um, probably April, May outside beds or outside beds with pots. And then again in late August, September, they're definitely doing that. They would also probably do another treatment on indoor pots again, because the temperatures inside will be a bit higher. So you'll still have activity. And so they'd probably do a, a third treatment at that stage as well. So. That's how they're doing it. And that's kind of what we would do, you know, at home gardener level, probably two treatments at least once you know you have a problem. Um, nurseries would also monitor quite a bit for, for the adults, because as I say, it's very difficult to know if you have it or not, they would monitor. It's unlikely that we would monitor in a, in a structured way, but what you could do is create a pot that just had some of the varieties that are going to be susceptible, such as the, you know, the heucheris and so on. And you might in a way be putting this maybe two or three heucheris in a pot and putting them there as a, as a mechanism for seeing, have I got a problem here? Uh, sacrificial lambs in a way, but you know, you will know very quickly then if you have a problem and then you can sort of treat your areas or whatever else. So that is another way of doing it. You can still, there is one from Scott's, there is a vine weevil drench that you can get as well. But in Katrina's case, and I would use that if, you know, if you had beds that you felt needed a bit of treatment, you could use that, no problem. But in Katrina's case, given that it's in pots and hanging baskets, I would be inclined to go with a fresh start and getting rid of that original growing media. Might be a little bit of work now, but I think it'll be worth it because, you know, once you have that problem in those small contained areas, it can be difficult to, to sort of get rid of it. And if you, you know, just go and repot in there, even if it's not susceptible varieties, you're probably still going to have a problem. So uh, the adults then, as I say, they're out in, in, in kind of May, June, that sort of time. And then the later eggs into plants, they, they only come out at night, but in the, in the, in the daytime, they're going to be hiding under pots and things like that. You're not going to be able to, I suppose, ensure that there's nowhere for them to hide. But generally speaking, by keeping your beds relatively tidy, uh, and the ground around them relatively tidy. They, they tend to crawl and climb. You know, they, that's, that's how they, that's how they get around the place. So don't leave too many within reason. Obviously it's difficult enough to do it, but you're not going to leave a lot of pots or leaves lying around, you know, where they can go in and hide because that's where they do hide is in under pots, under leaves, things like that. So keep the area as clean as you can. That will help a little bit. Um, Interestingly, this, this week, as I was creating the no dig beds, 
I was digging out any dock leaves that were in the area and there was quite a lot of them. It was an old scrubby patch and it was, yeah, a lot of dock leaves in there, hundreds in fact. Um, but really interesting and I don't know, maybe somebody listening will know the answer to this. Every dock leaf, or sorry, every dock root that I dug up had multiple vine weevil all around the roots of it. And I thought that was really strange and interesting because... You know, this was February time. It was quite cold. Well, generally quite cold. And these were very, very content. Obviously, the, the dock leaves were very strong as well. Um, or the dock roots were very strong. But these, these guys seem to be two or three, maybe four under each dock root. And yeah, I don't know whether that's a natural food for them you know has that always been a natural food for them i don't know i've never noticed it before but i really noticed it the other day um i was very surprised at it and it was a bit coincidental that i was going to be talking about this episode this week and um, but maybe somebody listening would know the answer is that a natural food for them then it got me thinking i don't really or haven't noticed any kind of major problem touch wood with vine weevil anywhere uh, in the garden the only time I've ever had it is with, was with strawberries in pots. And again, they were in the pots probably too long, to be fair. They were there three or four years. They were actually starting to get tired. Um, the crop from it was kind of getting weak anyway. So it was time to change it anyway. So there was a bit of time there with that. But I remember that feeling of going out, looking at the strawberries. They weren't doing that well. And then you try and investigate and the whole plant comes off in your hand. And it is very frustrating, but they were nearly bet anyway so it wasn't a big thing but that's the kind of only time I've had any kind of vine weevil issue but it was really interesting the other day and I'm not talking about 10 or 15 vine weevil I'm talking about when I dug up 40, 50 dock roots and maybe just 3 or 4 under each so now you get a picture of how many I'm talking about um, I just thought it was really interesting and there might be something there in that if, the, if you have some docks nearby do the vine weevil automatically go there and kind of not go near your plants is that a possibility maybe um is it is it that um the docks bring in so many that they'll inevitably get go wild in the garden i don't have any evidence of that so i think not but i've never seen it before it's just really interesting and maybe somebody maybe somebody listening has a bit more knowledge on it but for katrina i would definitely start clean i would get you know get um clean now repot up and definitely try bar biocharring it in the wider area around the garden because while you get them out of pot they have obviously come from somewhere so they are somewhere else there and uh, you can use your nematodes particularly in contained areas it's going to be very easy to do that like you know maybe raised beds or raised flower boxes it'll be very easy to do a treatment or two treatments of that and then hopefully that, that should see the problem going away. Um, long term, if you see a problem persisting, then obviously varieties that, you know, the likes of the coral bells, the likes of the ivy, maybe are going to be a challenge for you. And it might be a case of just going for ones that, you know, that they, they do eat, but that doesn't really cause them problems. So, you know, that's that's something to, to, to watch out for. I have noticed recently um, some, you know, some other really good gardeners that have, had issues with vine weevil at this stage of the year 
And I think it is down to the fact that they're in the raised beds, you know, so to get their, the, the larvae are able to get going a little bit earlier because it's a bit milder. So yeah, they're, they're your options. Definitely it's the ongoing, uh, as I say, there's hardly a gardener in the world who hasn't come across fine weevils at some point in time. Um, they are very, very frustrating because it, it is literally that situation where you know you, you don't know there's any problem and then you go to do something around the plant and literally it comes off in your hand and it's lights out and there is no coming back from it when it happens unfortunately having said that there's loads of other plants like really the, the susceptible list or the ones that are really badly affected is quite small so there's loads of other plants that they don't seem to not that they don't eat but they don't seem to cause you know detrimental harm to them so we still have options and we still have loads of options to, to do that. But there's, there's, um, yeah, it is frustrating. It is frustrating that it just creeps up upon you and then your plant, as I say, comes off in your hand. So hopefully, Katrina, that helps you and you're able to get the vine weevil out of your pots and hanging baskets. And hopefully you can get, get some of your, your coral bells and ivies back in. Uh, everyone else, I'm sure you've come across it in some situation or other in your own garden. So again, I hope, hope some of that information helps you. It is a, it is a tricky one, but the advancements now in the biological products will certainly be, be helpful. And chances are you're going to need to do, if you have a problem, chances are you're going to need to do, I think a few applications for certainly for year one and maybe for year two as well. And then after that, you might, you know, get away with a good, a good treatment in the May of every year. So yeah, if you, if you, particularly if you're in raised beds, you know, flower boxes, pots, hanging baskets, that sort of thing, it's quite easy and not overly expensive to treat contained areas like that. Obviously, if you're out in open ground, it, you, you can talk about a lot of area uh, and it can be difficult to, to treat a lot of open ground, but certainly in, in raised beds or contained areas, it's quite easy to, to treat and relatively inexpensive. So yeah, that's, um, pretty much this week's episode hopefully it helped Katrina and hopefully it helped anybody else that might be having struggles with the vine weevil and uh, yeah that's been this week's episode thanks for listening and until the next time happy garden <music>